Hey, it's Amber Smith. Welcome to the Conscious Coach Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Conscious Coach Podcast, you guys. Today, I am so excited to bring you Mariah Wickham. Mariah Wickham, we have this interview together and I just loved it so much. We talked about thought leadership and we talked about finding your voice and using your message to reach the right people. Um, And I wanted to introduce Mariah just for a second before we jump into the conversation. Mariah is a life and business coach and she helps coaches Um, create their thought leadership. And so this conversation we have is about thought leadership. It's about using your voice. It's about creating your magnum opus, which is like your life's work through your business. And so this conversation is something that if you dream really big, if you think about your business as your life's work and that you want to create something bigger than yourself, this conversation is for you. I love Mariah's take on all of this. I love um, the things that we chat about, which is like creation, a tight bubble of total focus, getting out of the noise so that you can figure out what you really believe and what you really want to say and getting to know yourself enough to bring the conversation on your social media, on your platform, to reach the right people and to stand out in the crowd of coaches. And so I am obsessed with this conversation and I want you to enjoy it as much as I did. So get ready, buckle up. Here is the conversation that me and Mariah had. All right. Welcome to this conversation. You guys, me and Mariah are going to be talking about so many cool things about thought leadership and messaging and finding your voice in a really busy online space. And so I'm really excited to welcome Mariah to the, to the conscious coach podcast. Mariah, welcome. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Um, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'd love actually for you to share a little bit about your coaching journey, but as well as this new mission, um, that you're on to help coaches, find thought leadership and to find their own voice, mm-hmm. um, whatever you think is relevant. Okay. Sounds good. I've actually been coaching for about five years. I initially, uh, helped other moms in a space that I had struggled with so much with like challenging kids or challenging behaviors at home. Uh, eventually in that journey, I became certified as a life coach through the life coach school And then it was about the time I got certified, I felt this big desire to pivot and help people find their message and help people find their true voice and what like they were sent to this planet to say. So that kind of sent me down a journey of talking about messaging and talking about um, communication and content. And um, then it has (laughs) continued to evolve. And here I am feeling really happy about leading coaches to thought leadership. And I feel like there's such a need for it. There's a need to differentiate yourself. There's a need in the industry to say original things um, and, and to like make your mark. It's a, it's a place of like leaving a legacy of something you're creating that's never been in the world before. Yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, it's like kind of a big conversation, (laughs) but it's so, it's so relevant because I think a lot of my listeners and a lot of just a lot of coaches, they're trying to create content, which is our voice just on, you know, in a video or on the screen or in an email or on our Instagram posts. Like there's so many ways that our voice shows up 
So I kind of want to start the conversation with like what you think thought leadership is, like how you would define it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I think thought leadership is saying things and saying original things in an original way. So um, there are lots of things that are just regurgitated out there. There are lots of things that are just getting said over and over. And so you can take that and mix it and synthesize it and then create your own framework for it so that that becomes the whole package that you put together in that way is your thought leadership, that that, that is something you created. Of course, it's going to be a mix of things that you've experienced and learned, but the way you package it and the way you put it in a framework in a, in a, in a simple way that is very teachable and scalable, that's your thought leadership. I love that. One of my um, favorite business mentors, Russell Brunson talks about being a thought leader is just like curation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like curating ideas. And that's like, I think I like the word that you use, like synthesis, like you're synthesizing it into your own um, ideas and your own, you know, methodology or steps. Mm-hmm. So I know that you, you observe the coaching industry closely. Um, where do you think people get that wrong? Mm, I think they get that wrong because they, they are looking in other people's lanes so much and like, oh, if I need to be, if I want to be successful, I've got to do it like so-and-so. And so they want to copy or imitate what other people are doing. Um, and, and, and in a way, a lot of people in the industry are enabling that because they're like, get into my program, be successful in the same way I was successful, teach it this way. Right. Um, And so one person that like learns another coach's thing or system, it may not work for them. Right. And so it's this learning to adapt, learning to tweak, learning to, and giving people permission to do that. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that what we're talking about is like critical thinking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like learning something and then internalizing it. Like one of the things that I know when I was like a newer coach, like I would just accept what they said is true. Like my mentors, like, okay, that's what they said. This is ultimately true for me. And part of my evolution, and I'm sure you can relate to this is like, okay, like I take information and then I, like, I sit with it for a little bit and I evaluate, is this what I think? Does this work for me? Do I even believe this? Is this even something that I want, <laughs> you know, and then deciding my own, own ways of thinking after that. But that takes some slowing down. And so I'm kind of curious, like, do you think um, one of the problems, I mean, like, I, this is a leading question because I think I know the answer, but like, <laughs> do you think one of the problems is that people just don't spend enough time in their own thing, in their own thoughts, like evaluating their own thoughts? Well, in reality, I think it can be the opposite too. They spend too much time in their own thoughts. Um, this whole space of thought work and mindset work, you can just get stuck there forever, right? <laughs> So true. And so uh, there's a lot of embodiment, I think that needs to happen. Um, I spent a lot of time slowing way down and really embodying, um, embodying what, what I believe and, and, and analyzing what I believe and want to believe. Um, so yes and no, you can spend too much time in your thoughts, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you know, or you can spend too little, but that connection and that uh, to body and embodiment is, I think, really where, really where the connections happen. 
So how would you define that middle ground where you're not, you're not so much in your head, but you're also at least a little in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know. of course. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be in your head yeah. I feel like if there is a balance in your life of action and thought work, then, then you have evidence of the balance. You have the evidence of moving forward because this thought leadership isn't going to happen in your head, right? You can't just sit and like, think it through. <laughs> you have to take action and then tweak, take action and modify, take action and then add or, and so it's not, it's not something that will you'll give birth to you overnight. Uh, so you have to have that balance of the thought work and the creative thinking and then the action. I love that. So if I were just to start from scratch, like how would I even start considering my own thought leadership? If I was listening to this and being cool, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so one of the very basic things you can do is when you are taking in content or when you're learning something new, ask yourself, how would I say this in my words? How would I express this in a way that makes sense to my people? Or even like if you're a mom, my children, you know, like how, how would I teach this to my child? Um, and I, that's something I've always naturally done. <laughs> And I, and I guess I don't realize all the time that other people don't do it, but whenever I think or learn something, I just automatically think, how could I say this in my own way? Yeah. And so that's a very good basic place to start. Um, And then moving from there as a business owner, how can I make this specifically applicable to my audience And, and knowing your audience is so critical in this, that part of it. Um, and, and then stories is such a big, big portion of what I do that looking at your stories and finding the universal message, even if, even if the person hasn't been through what you've been through, you, you can find a way to find that universal message so that they'll relate, that they'll connect, even if they haven't done, they haven't gone through the same thing you've been through. Yeah. That's something actually I love about you, Mariah. You can like extract people's stories Um, and articulate them. I think that you're like a little word wizard (laughs) Um, because I think, you know, some people, and this is, I think, relevant to our conversation is people have a hard time deconstructing what they're good at. Mm. It's like what you just said, like, I've always just done this and I can tell you've taken the time to be like, okay, why was I good at that? Why was I good at taking someone's information and then telling it in my own voice or my own words like not everyone's good at seeing how they do things right and so part of our I think part of our job as coaches is to look at what we're naturally good at and then deconstruct how and what I love about you is like and then you tell a story that makes it relevant that makes it unique that makes it interesting and compelling and like relatable mm-hmm. yeah yes I do and I love doing that for other people I love helping other coaches and business owners see their find their superpowers because they're just sitting there you don't know because you're so good at it you don't even know they're there (laughs) yeah and you don't realize that people actually want to pay you for for (laughs) what you're naturally good at yeah Mm -hmm. so let's talk about stories I mean this is something that obviously you guys if you're listening to this you should probably work with Mariah if you don't know how to share your story but for this for the sake of this podcast episode like, what would you say would be helpful for someone who's like, I don't really share any stories right now, or I don't have interesting stories. That's probably a big one. Like, but my stories aren't that interesting. I'm just like a normal person. What would you say? I would say, oh, heavens <laughs> no, my friend. 
<laughs> I do. Um, I do a lot of uh, studying of stand-up comedians. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Because I, because I, I first of all, I kind of have this like desire to be a stand-up comedian one day. I love. Um, but I love, I love to learn about their process and how they come up with their material and stuff, right? So they always have these bits, right? They talk about bits and they create a whole bit. I mean, they could go on for 20, 30 minutes about one tiny thing that happened in their life. Yeah. And that's because they're moving through life looking for those bits, right? They could be waiting yeah. for a bus and, and come up with this phenomenal story or bit and like, <laughs> and it's so funny. Everyone's, can, everyone's laughing in the audience. And so you as a, as someone that wants to make an impact on the world, you as someone that wants to create leadership over your thoughts, it will serve you and help you so much to be that kind of person moving through life, finding the things that finds the lessons, finding the stories that help you communicate your message, finding the magic in life, right? Like finding the stories that you see synchronicities and you see, you see the universe working in your favor. Like if you really believe those things, start gathering the evidence and recording the evidence that those things are happening. Those are your stories. Those are your things. And also you've in your stories, you see where you've mastered certain things, right? Like the stories I'm living now are not the same stories I lived five years ago. <laughs> and so just right there alone, you could create so much content just by comparing the stories you're living now to like stories you lived five years ago. Um, but it requires you to move through life like a stand-up comedian. It requires you to move through life looking for material that would land with your audience. That's so good. I think too, there's obviously some intention in what they do. You know, they're moving through life looking for it, but also it's like from a belief that my life is interesting to other people. Like what mm -hmm. I experience is interesting to other people. And I know for me, like that was one of my things that I had overcome when I started online is like, my life is interesting to people. Like I live a such a boring life, <laughs> but I love what you're saying. Like you're pulling the juice out of all the little moments, just like a stand-up comedian would, mm -hmm. but from the belief and from the self-concept that like, I'm an interesting person and I have something to share. Mm -hmm. and, I have a, and I have a fun way of sharing it, right? Like yeah, I, I, I make it interesting. Waiting for a bus is not very interesting, but a stand-up comedian would find a way to make that funny. They would, the and they're always super relatable, right? Every stand-up comedian I've ever enjoyed, the reason why we're laughing so hard in the audience is because it's so relatable. We've all yeah. been there. Yeah. Okay. This, oh yeah, this is going to be good because I feel like you will have a lot to say about this. What do you think... Like, how would you coach someone through that desire to like appear, especially as coaches or someone who's guiding someone, like I have everything figured out <laughs> and I am this good person who can help you. You know what I mean? Like this kind of polished, like put together person versus being relatable enough, sharing stories where it's like, yeah, like I've created results, but I'm, I understand I'm not unreachable. I'm not like this unicorn. I'm, I'm like you. I feel like you have a very unique way of doing this. Mm -hmm. My answer to that would be to spend more time being okay with your polarities. Like, yes, you are polished and a leader, but yes, you are 
kind of a mess in some parts of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yes. is, right? <laughs> yes. Be okay with your shadow side just as much as you are with your strengths. There's a term I learned in a Mustang wilding or what, or sorry, uh, what Mustang, what are they? Gentling, sorry. Oh, Mustang gentling, gentling uh, workshop I attended. And he referred to it as magnificence is stepping into your strengths without being cocky and being okay with your insecurities without, or being okay with your deficiencies without um, feeling lack, right? Like you're just like, so okay with like self-deprecation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so good. So good. I I that's a truth. That's like being okay with the truth of who you are. <laughs> it's yeah, hard. And you can't be triggered at that point. Yeah. Like nothing. And so stepping into your thought leadership, you're going, you're going to need to be okay with being seen fully That's with hard. both sides of you. So you need to create space in your life where you are okay with all of that. Because if someone comes at me online, once I have a bigger audience, what I'm saying, this larger message. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't need to fight with you or be triggered by that because I've totally, I totally recognize you're right yeah I think Aaron Katie teaches this really well it's like you're a jerk you know you might be right (laughs) like I'm willing to consider that you're right like Mm -hmm. egoless is how I would describe it but like I think it's still but also owning your strengths too it's not like yeah I suck it's not that's not what we're talking about it's like yeah like I do have things to work on but my message still matters and and what I'm sharing is still valid Mm -hmm. I think that's like a huge piece for coaches is like yeah you're going to have one foot in the kind of a messy situation all the time, no matter what you do in your life, there's going to be this area of your life that you're like, yeah, I wish that was a little different or yep. That's kind of something that I need to work on or whatever, but that doesn't dismiss all the great things that you bring, which is, I think what you are bringing to the table right now, Mariah. And so let's keep talking, like, let's go back into the thought leadership. Like, okay, we know we're human. We know we need to be at peace with the truth of who we are. How do we really own our framework? Like I know I'm, I don't know if we talked about this on this podcast or just in our conversation before, but the frame, like frameworks, I think are a huge piece. It's like your unique intellectual property, your unique way of doing things or the words you use, like, how do we, um, I don't know, combine our strengths with our message. Yeah. To me, I don't feel like you can do it without help. You definitely need a guide to help you because it is a combination of your stories, your values, your, and you just need someone helping you watch for the threads, watch for the patterns. And so to find, to find that message, I think, I think that's kind of what you're asking, right? Like, how do you, how do you find that and create that? Yeah. So yes, you look for the patterns is one of my biggest, biggest things. Um, But also you really need to know your audience. I always come back to knowing your audience because Um, I feel like that is a a place where people wobble a lot or they, or they want a framework or message that's like includes everybody. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, you want actually want and need to be exclusive for whatever, whatever that is that you create around your audience, knowing your audience, you want this message to be universal to that group of people. Mm -hmm. Can you give an example of that? Um, yes. So for instance, if you are targeting business owners, let's say, 
and your message is for business owners. Um, what, where are they at in business, right? And so de depending on if you're deciding, oh, like I'm talking to experienced business owners that they've been around a long time. Yeah. Um, that message and that framework and how clear you can make that is going to land and be received so much better if you are very clear on this is exactly the subsection of business owners, right? And yeah, then like moms, like, are you working with moms with teenagers, moms with little kids? Because I feel like even though we're both moms, the messaging and the stories would be very different. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yes. And that that's actually how I made this big pivot a couple of years ago, because I, like I said earlier, I started talking to moms and I kept wanting to talk about goals and I kept wanting to talk about their big ambitions. Yes. And they're like, no, I just want you to tell me like how to get rid of this behavior they're doing. It's really <laughs> yeah. annoying, you know? Yeah. And although I could help with those things, it wasn't it, your heart's it, message. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't, I wanted to talk about so much more. So yeah. that's where I really got this like fire and passion in myself for messaging and knowing your audience and finding your audience. Um, because I was like, Oh, I, I want to talk to ambitious people. I want to talk to people with goals, you know, and, yeah. and, doing, creating really big things in the world. Yeah. And so what would you say to someone who's like, okay, like I thought I knew my audience, but maybe, maybe I need some help. Mm. How would you help them understand their audience better? What questions would you offer them? What is that? What is it that you do? So simple, but based on how they, how they answer that, then they might need to either elevate their ideal client. Yeah. I'm really in that process myself right now of like, oh, I totally need to elevate my ideal client. Like I need to like have this much bigger picture of, of who I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do and how do you do it? And how do you do it? And how do you do it? And again, very simple question and not as simple to answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that deconstruction we were talking about earlier it's like it's hard to articulate what you do especially as a coach it's like I don't know we sit and talk mm -hmm. <laughs> but there is a method and like Mariah said earlier like that's why it's helpful to do this with someone is because sometimes your innate genius is hard to see and hard to explain because you're like well I don't know like I just coach them um in fact when I did the art of deep coaching it was really hard for me to just teach how I coach. Cause I'd never done that before. And so there's a lot of people that are going to resonate with this message. It's like, Oh, like there's things that I'm really good at that I probably should be teaching. I just haven't up to this point. And so I think one of the most relevant things you just shared is like elevating your ideal client. That's prob probably the biggest mistake I see people making is they're not working with their highest level version of their mm -hmm. clients. Mm -hmm. You could help everyone, right? But like, what's like the cream of the, at the top? Like, and how can you serve them? And how, like all the questions that you just asked, like, what do you do for them? How do you help them? That's like a really potent message. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's hard to do. <laughs> it is, like I said, like being, making things look effortless is a lot of work. I learned this when I, years ago when I went down a rabbit hole of interior design. <laughs> <laughs> oh, story for another day. <laughs> I've done so many things. And that was one of them. Um, and, and I, and I, you know, to have a, a really put together place, you know, it, it looks effortless, but it wasn't 
right? And so what you do and how you do it, saying that in, a, in an effortless way, there's a lot of work, I feel like, that take, helps you say that. Yes. Or like the book that, that's coming to mind is um, by Stephen Pressfield. Like the idea of saying less is actually way harder than saying more. And so I think this is relevant too for this conversation is like part of being a thought leader. I don't know. This is how I feel is being concise. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Never underestimate the power of simplicity. It's hard. It's hard though. What you're saying, like, you, I think so you hard. nailed it. Like it's harder to be simple, <laughs> but it's that's harder. like, a, yes. And of a good teacher, very it's vulnerable the- too, to just be like, boom, this is what I do. Like that actually is, feels vulnerable to me. And so, well, yeah. And cause you have to leave out, leave people out <laughs> and you have to make a claim, you know, for who you're for, which means like, some people aren't going to be for you. So it is, I think it is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. when I stopped being a life coach and started being a business coach, it felt really, really hard. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, all my people, like, they're going to think I don't care about them. Or like, all of a sudden my friends aren't going to follow me on social media <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's emotional. And so I think that's part of, for me, and maybe that like we can speak to this a little bit, but simplifying your message is emotional work. It is. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, don't ever kid yourself that any of this is never emotional work. Yeah. <laughs> it is, that is, I mean, having emotional management rituals in place is, a, it is, it is critical. Like it, it has to be part of this movement to thought leadership. It just absolutely does because that's part of the noise you need to learn to manage in order to find your unique voice. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, because I think if you guys are like me and Mariah, you have a lot of teachers <laughs> and you have a lot of people that you like to mm-hmm. listen to. And you've, you know, been through the ringer of courses and, you know, mentors and pod- podcasts even, right. How do you get out of that? How do you silence the noise? Like mm-hmm. what's your best tips for that? Oh gosh, I'm still mastering it. Um, and I think I always will because I think it's, it's constant <laughs> ebbs and flows. Totally. Um, but I do really believe that the impact you make in the world is directly related to the leadership you have over your own life. And so it begins with getting rid of the junk noise. I call it junk noise. Yeah, <laughs> define, define junk noise. Yeah, junk noise is just all that chatter or static that you fill your life with that is unnecessary. So it could be your own thoughts, right? Junk noise can be your own thoughts and the, the stuff that shows up that brings your energy down. It could be, it could look like spending too much time on social media. It could look like taking in too much of the, no, the news. It could be um, buffering just by signing up for more programs and just <laughs> endless, endless consuming of content. Uh, it could look like talking to everybody about your ideas, but never taking action on those ideas. Um, junk noise is just that kind of, you feel like you're doing something, you're filling your time with something, but it's not moving you anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's not, in fact, it's doing you much more harm than you realize because it's numbing out your original thoughts. It's, it's putting, it's putting a damper on your ability 
to think in original ways. And so I say your original thoughts and original ideas are designed to be born in a sacred private place. So stop trying to create original ideas in public spaces. That's really powerful. It's it's like conceiving. <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, you know, you would never do that. You would never do that in a public place. Mm -mm. And so to conceive of an idea, conceive of an original thought, you need to create private, intimate, sacred places yeah. for you to do that. Well, I think about, this is like a weird example, but I feel like you are going to understand, like when we read the Bible, like Moses went to the top of a mountain to receive like the revelation for the 10 commandments. Right. Um, and there's lots of evidence of that in, in scriptures, but in other, like even like Ralph Waldo Emerson, like there's people who are amazing thought leaders who depending on your religious beliefs or, you know, whatever, like communing with God, creating ideas of like a sacred nature, which are original or unique, or your, you know, something that you're going to feel called to talk about. You can't do it when you're like super, like you said, like that junk noise is always on your mind. It's almost like you need to create space. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I, I think is relevant to this conversation too, is what me and Mariah are talking about are ways to one, make a lot of money. This isn't a get rich quick um, theory. This isn't a get rich quick today by finding your message. Like that's not, this is like for like a long-term commitment to being a thought leader, which means slowing down. And a lot of people in the industry just want to make money today or want to sign a client today. And so like, can you speak to that? Like, it's going to be hard to be still and to find that sacred space. Mm -hmm. How, like, what are your recommendations? How would you coach someone? What like routines or rituals would you guide them through? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it has to do their manage with their management over their nervous system because so much. Um, well, first, let me kind of back up and say, for years, people talked about self-care and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I thought I was good at it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, for some reason, it didn't land with me until someone was like, how are you taking care of your nervous system? Like, how are you settling your nervous system? And for some reason, that's what triggered it for me. Wow. That's yeah. what was like, oh, I am constantly stressed. I have been under a lot of pressure that's a conversation for another day, but I have been under a lot of pressure and have had some chronic stress for a long time. So that is the first place to check in. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is a commitment you need to, to make over and over and over because that needs to, that needs to happen. And then, and then from there, you know, you have your daily rituals you, and this requires just a really high level of commitment because it's so easy to dismiss it. It's so easy. I, I know you've said this before, like things that are easy to do are easy not to do. Yeah. And so it's easy to dismiss it. Um, but man, I promise you when you, when you do it, when you're, when you get good at those daily rituals that you create for this new thing to be born for this new thing to be put out into the world, your inspiration will skyrocket. Your creativity will flow your ability to stay focused and committed to it will really be elevated. Uh, it's that, that flow of creativity 
uh, I, I've seen really like ebb and flow in my life and I can really see when it when it gets stuck and I I don't feel like I'm coming up with ideas as well. I know, I know it's a red flag for that. There's things I'm not taking care of, right? Like, oh, I need to take take step back. And man, I want things to go fast. Okay. If there's anyone that understands that it's me, I want efficiency. I want to do it as fast as possible. I want to be on the fast track. I want to be the accelerated group of everything. And it doesn't work. It does not work in this kind of um, this kind of work. So if you're in a hurry, I'm not the coach for you. And this is not the plan for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, th- you know, I think it's, it's a balance, right? Cause you did say mm-hmm. you got to be tweaking. You got to be getting at least kind of like finding the bits, right? Like, and one of the things that I love about com- stand-up comedians is like, they'll test their stuff before they get on the big stage. They've been testing their stuff for years sometimes or months. And they've been going to dive bars and trying something and like that didn't work. They've been tweaking and refining their message. So there is this balance of taking action. This is why I love coaching so much because we care about the quality of life while you achieve something. Um, And that's why I think what you do is so unique. And it's like, yeah, we're going to help you get your message. And the message is going to make you money. It will bring you the right clients. You will get to do your sacred work in the world but let's take care of your nervous system. This is a a game about creativity. This is a game about refining your ideas. And so there's this element of action, but like slowness, which I really- Yes, yes. And it really, and it's a healing space when you do it the right way. Yeah. Um, Because that's, uh, that's really important. And and I think most of the, most of the coaches I resonate with and really want to learn from understand that piece too that this process is, is a healing work. You have to heal as you go. You have to find all those places that you're wounded mm-hmm. and heal them as you evolve. Um, and um, yeah, like, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld is someone that I really learn a lot from. And he is, he spends hours, um, probably not anymore, but like in his heyday, hours, he talks about hours and hours of writing and writing and writing again and editing and editing. I mean, the man spent so much time on his craft Yep. and his net worth today is $950 million. Like (laughs) it's no joke, right? Like that is so, but be, but it started with him getting really serious about his craft, getting really serious about these bits and what, how he's going to deliver them and how he's going to share them. So yes, absolutely. Um, you have to be taking action. And sometimes that action isn't public, right? Sometimes- that's, that's a huge piece. I feel like, cause everyone wants to take the public action, be on social media, re-recording content, making videos, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is action that no one's going to know about. <laughs> until yeah. they hear your message, until they experience your thought leadership, mm-hmm. late gratification, which yeah. is important for our nervous system too. <laughs> yes. No one really? is like there applauding Seinfeld in those hours and hours that he spent writing and writing and editing and editing. And, and I mean, I relate to that because I love an audience. I'm like, I'm totally ready to embrace that in my life. <laughs> like, yeah. I love having an audience so I want to be, I want to be in those spaces doing things where there's an audience, but I have to do those actions that are not public as well. Yeah. Are you familiar with Robin Sharma? Uh, no, I don't think so. I really like him. He, he's like a life coach, high performance coach for like billionaires. And mm-hmm. so one of the things he talks about is he calls it a tight bubble of total focus. 
Mm. And like for him, he writes his books by a vineyard in Italy. Like he like literally leaves his country to go and like, and he thinks of his life work as art. And I really like that. Um, and I think you, you would, you would agree with that just the way that you've described, like when you think about people painting or writing, it doesn't feel like they're just trying to bust it out, just trying to get it out to Instagram today. But coaches, I think we, for whatever reason, we've missed that, like this can be our art too. Mm-hmm. And thought leadership is art. Um, at least the way that you and I have been talking about it today. It's like, this is your life's work slow down enough for it to make it great, to make it unique. Um, this is the slow way to build wealth. And one of the things that I think about a lot is money loves speed, but wealth loves time. Mm. And I feel like what you're talking about, I mean, if people are, are really open to this lesson, like this isn't about getting fully booked in the next three weeks, like that might help, like the message might help, but this is about creating something that exists beyond you, which is your intellectual property, your ideas. Yes. The, the word that always comes to mind when I just sit in it and just revel in how beautiful it can be is magnum opus. Oh yeah. Like you, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you are creating like your man, I'm getting emotional. Like you're creating your life's work. Like this, this, I have like Van Gogh behind me. Yeah. He's greatest, he's my greatest and favorite, favorite, favorite artist. Um, like, I mean, he didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, like some random girl in Kansas would have his art in her room. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of impact I'm talking about. Like you're creating this life's work, your magnum opus that lives way beyond you. Yeah. Yeah. And you see evidence of this, like some of my favorite entrepreneurs, like I think about Phil Knight who created Nike. His Mm -hmm. magnum opus was Nike. It was not Phil Knight. It was something he created. It was his creation. And so it's not, and it wasn't born overnight. If you read the book, Shoe Dog, it took years. And so I love what you said. Like, like I'm not the coach for you. If you want to make money quick, but if you want to build, build something that lasts, if you want to create something bigger than yourself, this is the work. It's becoming a thought leader. And it means slowing down. <laughs> it means carving out time. It sure does. Yeah. So, what would you say? Okay. We've talked about all these things, like literally like, what do they do now? Like, what is their next steps? Mm-hmm. Um, well, work with me, of course. Of course, <laughs> obviously. Yes. Yes. Like, I mean, I've said it before earlier, but you, you won't do this alone. Um, nothing, nothing super valuable that's creating alone alone or is created alone. Right. I mean, even Van Gogh had the people that mentored him and taught him how to, to, to paint. Yeah. And so, um, get a guide, first of all. Um, and then beyond that, start creating these sacred times or spaces where you are quiet. You know, I love what you just said. That's tight bubble of total focus. Like yeah. create little, little bubbles of, of, of total focus in your life. Um, and, and you've said it many times too, slow down. <laughs> That's been a big, uh, such a big lesson for me. Slow down and let it, let it come. And also just trust that you'll know when it's time to do something. Trust that, and then do it, right? When and, that, and then do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when that burst of intuition comes, yep. you know, do it. Uh, but it's, it's hard again, because sometimes that, that junk noise is like telling us, be consistent, be on social media this many times. Da, 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 da. And they're like, all these people are handing us all these formulas. Um, 
but listen to it, take what works, try it, and then be willing to just keep adjusting until it's your thing, until it's what works for you, what lands for you, what, you know, and, and so it's this just huge piece of intuition, huge piece of taking action. I mean, it, it's all of that. Um, but never forget to be the stand-up comedian either. <laughs> you got to be having the lens, having the lens of, you know, where are these bits, where are these bits that I can create? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, and what's my legacy? That's a, that's a really fun thing to play around with. Yeah. Too. And that question isn't for everyone. Um, I'm obsessed with that question. What I found either people are going to really love this episode or they're going to be like, that didn't really help me. <laughs> this episode is for the people who want the legacy, who want something that is big. It's not just like 15 clients this year, Like that's, it's bigger than that. And so if you're listening and you resonate and you're considering what your legacy is, like, I don't know. I just think that slowing down that, um, that, type of total focus, the comedian, like all of it, it's not something you do today. It's something that you commit to. Like for me, like, I don't know how you feel, but like a lifetime, mm-hmm. which yeah. no one likes that answer. <laughs> I know. And I have to, I have to just put this like piece of caveat in here too, that this comes from a place of privilege. Like I yeah. have to just recognize that there is a lot of privilege in my life that has allowed me to be here. And, and I don't want to dismiss recognizing that, um, because it's, it's a place of like, I, I recognize that there are systems in place and ways our communities and societies are set up that have allowed me to be here. Yes. Yeah. And what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. To me, thought thought leadership only works if you want to help people. Like I can't think of a thought leader that didn't do something to help other people. Right. Yeah. Yes, we are privileged. I mean, we're privileged just to have this conversation that we can even think this way. Right. But also like, how can you use your voice and your intellectual property, your experience, your stories, all the things that we talked about to serve a lot of people. Yes. That recognizing that privilege motivates me to, to make a greater impact. Right. Where much is, I mean, you know, the whole Spider-Man quote where much is given, you know, is like, okay, now I'm going to mess it up. But where much is given, much is required kind of yes. idea, you know? And so with great, with great power comes great responsibility. But it's true. Yeah. So I feel, I feel that I feel that there's a responsibility for me to put my magnum opus out into the world and help others do the same. I love that Mariah. That needs to be like on your website somewhere. <laughs> I hope I help business owners create their magnum opus or something. I love it. Well, I've loved this conversation so much. I think you're amazing. Um, you guys, like we talked about, like this conversation isn't for everyone, but you know if it's for you. Um, if you have something big you want to do in the world, this is like the way you do it, right? Is creating this thought leadership and a message that's different and uniquely yours. So Mariah, how do people get in touch with you? Well, first of all, if if any of this is resonated, resonating, I would love to start a conversation with you. So I'm going to uh, send a link to Amber for uh, the yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. So just book a call with me. I'd love to just have that conversation. No strings attached. I am like 
I just love, I love these kinds of conversations. So let's get that started. If this is resonating and beyond that, uh, I show up on Instagram a lot. And so connect with me there. Um, it's just at, at Mariah.wickham. Yep. <laughs> and then my website also is MariahWickham.com. That's currently, okay. that's currently put that in the show notes too. Yeah. So, just yeah. getting built out and totally changing. So if you go there now, it's going to look different than it will soon, but Anyway, I, I do have a freebie there about a clarity roadmap. If that's something that will help you go grab that too. Okay. Awesome. Obviously this is just like the tip of the iceberg. You guys, <laughs> a lot of what we talked about were, you know, big ideas, but the way that's going to change your business is doing this actually like for yourself. And so if it resonates, go check out Mariah. Mariah's awesome. <laughs> I love her. Um, and I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. I think you're an epic coach and I think that you're building your magnum opus right now. So I'm excited to keep seeing your content and stuff. Thanks for coming to uh, the Conscious Coach Podcast. I'll talk to you later. Alrighty. Thanks so much. Hey, I hope you'd love today's episode. I wanted to take a second and invite you to join my diamond membership program in the coaching matrix. It is the next best thing to working with me one-on-one. We do life and business coaching and it's for spiritually minded and driven entrepreneurs like you. Like I said, if you love this podcast and you love listening every week, you're going to love being a diamond member because it's live coaching with me every single week. We cover different topics. You get access to the vault of content and training that I've already created. Some of my exclusive programs are already there waiting for you inside the vault. I would love if you joined us, go to the coachingmatrix.net forward slash diamond, and I'll see you inside.